as above, so below. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist, and I ask you this question. Are you experiencing lots of coincidences and feeling isolated and having no one who wants to hear them or they think you're a little crazy or just not interested? Well, there's lots of people like you out there uh, in the world and uh, many of them come to the Coincidence Cafe. And the Coincidence Cafe takes place on Thursdays, actually on Saturdays, every third every third Saturday of the month, and we've got one coming up every third Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for about an hour and a half. And we tell each other coincidence stories. And you can get to register by coming to thecoincidenceproject.net, all one word, thecoincidenceproject.net, and go to the section of participating and register and you'll get a notification every month about the Coincidence Cafe. Tell each other stories. Well, my story today is uh, I call Nice Parallel. Uh, my next book, I'm working on another book, is called, uh, it's about my own coincidence life, my life as a coincider. And I started back when I was eight or nine, and uh, there's lots of them, and they keep coming and going. And looking at them over time now, having them all in one place like this, I get to see patterns that I might not have seen before. Now, one pattern that I kind of knew about, I called going uh, going to the, the monkey bars and playgrounds, going from one bar to the next, to the next, to the next, and swinging like that. But I that's kind of static and kind of metallic. So I w started thinking about maybe swinging from vine to vine in the coincidence jungle. And that requires thinking that you're on one vine and you're swinging your head and there'll be another vine there. And then you can rest on that next tree and then go on another vine. Well, I, I like that metaphor and I see it more clearly in my stories. And uh, a few days uh, after seeing that more clearly, I was talking to uh, one of our donors and she told me that she imagines her synchronicity experiences of being on um, the monkey bars in uh, the playground. Uh, and I said, well, I haven't heard anybody tell me that one. And because that's what I thought. And she said, well, yeah. And I said, but I've moved that to the vine swinging on vines in the coincidence jungle. And she said, I've seen too many Tarzan movies. I, I don't really go for that. I said, well, it's more kinetic, more moving more. And she kind of got, got that idea because it's, it's playing in the playground of our reality uh, with the jungle analogy. Well, I'd never, as I mentioned, ha had someone else recognize this pattern in their coincidences. And I'm glad, glad Ann and I have this basic pattern in common. And what I suggest is you write down your own coincidence stories and come back and look at them. And you'll see some patterns of yours uh, that you have a fingerprint of style of coincidences. And I think they'll tell you something about yourself, a little bit like what astrology might tell you about yourself. Uh, and that will be a, what we will be talking about today, among other things. And our astrologer person today is uh, Christine Page, a physician known as a mystical physician. And she's been a pioneer in the field of healthcare for quite a long time, doing things that other people don't do. And that includes physicians talking about astrology, not the usual thing. Uh, she's a, an author, uh, a gifted intuitive, and an international speaker. She sees herself as a bridge builder between whether between different modalities of well-being or states of consciousness. Now, I didn't ask her what her sign is, but this is a kind of a thing Pisces do. It's like connect people, uh, and we'll find out what her sign is. What is your what is just to start with, Christine? What's your sign? 
all Gemini. Gemini are the bees that spread pollen around from one place to another. Ah. So we are the pollinators, so we are the informers. Well, I, I've just run across somebody who calls herself the synchronicity fairy. Uh, and then, and I think of myself as Tinkerbell spreading the dust of uh, coincidences around. So you're in the, we're in the same kind of metaphor here as well. That's right. That's right. So you're, Christine is the author of nine books, including uh, Frontiers of Health, and uh, this more recent one, The Heart of the Great Mother. I, this is packed with a lot of stuff in it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the beginning is uh, is highly educational. Is Christine, it meets with one of her teachers, and the rest of it gives you some idea about Mayan thinking and, and also about uh, what we mean by the divine feminine, and it, it's, there's a lot there, and those are excellent ideas for all of us to consider, but Christine, why don't we start with uh, 2012, as the Mayans might suggest we do. Thank you so much, Bernard. It's great to be on your show, and I'm excited. By your own book, I was enjoying reading all these coincidences. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I thought it was a very beautifully written book. I enjoyed it. So 2012, some of you may have heard about. It was December the 21st, 2012. It was seen as the date, according to the Maya, of the end of a 26,000-year cycle. Some even talked about a 52,000-year cycle. And that's why, if you knew about this date, people talked about the end of the world. And the Maya said, no, we weren't talking about the end of the world. We were talking about the end of a cycle. And really, that's how they saw it. And having studied with many different indigenous people, the, the Maoris, the Aborigines, other traditions, they all saw this date as important. Some have shifted a little bit uh, towards these times, 2024, but... I'm going to stay with 2012 because 2012 really was this very symbolic time where we came to an end of something and something new was born, the new world. And this new world is, is already here. And I say it's a bit like taking, you know, thinking that your pregnancy is the end of the problems. Then you take the baby home and you go, oh, my uh -oh. goodness, now what am I going to do? <laughs> so we're in that point where, like, who gave me this baby? What am I meant to do with it? And to me, that's how it's seen. Now, the reason I bring in the feminine, obviously, I am a woman. I enjoy being a woman. And I have worked a lot with women through my 40 plus years of medicine, mainly because I think that women personally have got out of touch with the rhythms that are so natural to these cycles that the Maya talk about. Now, again, that doesn't mean that men don't have those cycles. But the reason I talk about the, the return of the great mother is that within us all, whether male or female, we're needing to remind ourselves of the importance of the feminine, which is birth, mothering and death. And this is what we see every month with the moon. We're just coming up to a new moon now. So this is a dying period of the moon and then a new moon will be born. And this cycle is one which is inherent in us all. And if we're coming up to a new moon, it's a time to let go. As we give birth to a new moon, it's a time to start a new project. And the ancient people understood this. They planted at the right times. They honored the, the birth of a new child at the right times. We've lost our connection to Mother Earth. And this is really what I think has happened now that this new earth that was so-called born is as I see it and I, I understand it, is in what it, we call its blueprint phase. And many of you may have heard about the fifth dimension or we're going into unity consciousness or extended into unity consciousness. All these phrases are going around. And it really is, this is the new world. And the Maya spoke about this new world as unity through the acceptance of diversity. And that was such a powerful statement, not unity, let's all think the same way, through the acceptance of diversity. And I don't think anybody out there is unaware that that's what's going on in our world today, but we're not finding the, the acceptance, we're going into polarity. So this unity through the acceptance of diversity says, we have to end polarization. 
And astrologically, Pluto, which is a very big planet, she, it is a she. Pluto is actually the goddess of the underworld, not a god as the Greeks and Romans wanted to make it be. She's saying is, I'm going into Aquarius and the sign of Aquarius is about everybody stepping forward, everybody bringing their own unique contributions to the world. And we're living in a more community way and we move away from the age of Pisces where we had a leader, a messiah, a guru, where everybody followed this one person. And that's why we're seeing really the breakdown. Pluto is breaking down these old institutions that were set up in a hierarchical way to bring in a much more Aquarian way where it's not about one leader. Everybody is a leader. Everybody's a healer. And everybody has to be accountable for what they're contributing to the community. And we are not as yet in the Aquarian age, even though some of us think we are, but we are in that transition period between the Piscean and the Aquarian age. And this is why community energy is so important. But hear me first, and this is where the astrology comes in. First of all, we have to know ourselves, own who we are, not give our power away and step up and one of the teachings I received was everybody has a piece of the jigsaw. If we're going to create unity, the whole jigsaw, everybody has to place their piece of the jigsaw down on earth, heaven on earth. It's not enough to only have a few people doing this. Each of us has a gift. Each of us is carrying a seed, a piece of a jigsaw, and it's time to lay that piece down. Yeah, and uh, that that requires knowing, as you're saying, who we are, yeah. uh, who who I am, who you are, and be able to own that mm -hmm. and recognize that I am not the same as you, uh, yes. as well as we are all part of the same thing. Yes. And that's a difficult thing for humans these days, as you're suggesting, as polarization yes. is getting more worse. But it's probably a way to help identify who you are by by identifying with a polarity you begin to become part of something of, and know who you are but how are people going to how are you thinking of pe people not only becoming who they are and owning it and knowing it and being aware of it and acting it and being it but also to be able to, to suggest that it's okay for other people to be diverse from them because we're all part of one thing. Unity through diversity is what we're looking for or di diversity and unity. And it's difficult because this is a polar world we live in, the, the, the dark and light and black and white and yes and no and yin and yang and all the polarities here make people want to do polarity. So they're going to have to accept, we all have to accept that there's a unity and there's my own being as a separate person. So they have to accept both at the same time. That's a conceptually difficult thing for a lot of people to accept the, the differences, the polarity, separate unity, and accept, accept both of them instead of just one or the other. Yes, and I think that's why the Mayan statement was unity through the acceptance of diversity. So it's not and or. And, you know, even though we are understanding these polarizations, the quality that's always been in every indigenous energy, and that's why I talked about the Virgin Mother Crone, you could look at many different systems, it's the Trinity. And so the Trinity is the fact that if you have a pole, and you were talking about the, the monkey bars, but you have a pole in the center, you can swing one way, but you always come back to the center. You swing another way, you come back to the center. And we've forgotten that centerpiece. This was Mart in the Egyptian tradition. All the traditions have this, this energy that holds the center, that feeds, this is, this is how they see it, the feminine or the this this mother energy feeds the polarity, but it feeds the mother back through its experiences. And that is such that is such an important image right there, right. to be able to have uh, an image like that of a pole that holds it together, that the 
that feeds what the individuals outside, but then the outside feeds the center. So there's uh, a continuing cycling yes. between and among uh, the polar, the pole in the middle and the, the divergencies, the separateness, the individuals on the outside. And that, I, I, we need uh, images like that, that are that, not just static, but uh, dynamic. That maybe that's because I'm remembering swinging around the pole when I was in a childhood park, you know? Oh, you like those, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, and the yeah. other thing is, if you look at the yin-yang sign, we often go, oh, that's yin-yang, but we miss the line in the center that joins them. So every you know old cathedral that I've studied in Europe always has two windows at the side and a, a bigger entrance place that looks the same, but is in the center. You always get the Trinity. And so it's uh -huh. once we stop moving, once we start looking for it, it's like, it's there again. <laughs> yeah, this, this, and three has been coming up a lot for me lately. People have been jamming it into my mind that three is a big thing. Yes. Let's just mention the yin-yang Thing that uh, I just realized besides that uh, there's yin and there's yang and of course there's a, the opposite is in yes. each of yes. the, uh, so there's a yang and the yin and the, uh, and the yin the and eyes the, are there yes yes but, but I didn't realize that this line between them is a dynamic line yes so it's it, even though it's seen in one two dimensions it's three-dimensional in that there's it's a, a flowing back and forth between the yin and the yang that that serpent-like movement suggests yes exactly and even if you look at the moon if you ever get that chance especially if, if you're looking just after the new moon you see the dark moon and you see the slither of light so you oh, see the, the slither like the dark moon and then the light gets larger and then the dark gets larger. But what contains them both is the circle. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that's so good. This is where we need to understand. So it's, it's that part of ourselves. We could say it's our triangle that says, okay, I am this and I'm this. And I can see them both from a, a place of my heart or my, my third eye. So I'm saying is, when we observe ourselves, we go, oh, look, I can go there and I can go there. And I am both of those. And that is what we have to be able to do. I am both of those. Yes. Unity through the acceptance of diversity. Yes. Yes. And diversity through the acceptance of unity can becomes the other side of that, where it's that everybody's diverse, but they're yeah. part of the whole thing. Uh, yeah. and, and there's a back and forth going now, these yeah. are important ideas right now, especially in this polarized world where we are committing, in my view, uh, a slow suicide uh, by ecocide, by destroying our environment and therefore ourselves. But we'll leave that, we'll leave that for um, maybe another discussion, uh, but it's an important one and I'm very much tuned to it. But what, let's, let's now see if we can segue from uh, the heart of the great mother uh, to astrology. I'm happy to do that. And I'm just going to slip this piece in, Bernard, because I know that's important. When I, in part of that meditation, I wrote at the beginning of the book in the desert and my wonderful teacher wiped the sand clean of the past. So this is really what 2012 meant was, okay, we're wiping everything clean. Now, what do you want to create in this new world? And that's what we all have the opportunity to do. And again, I'm going to come to the astrology with that. What he, I said, well, why wouldn't everybody want a clean sheet? <laughs> he said, when this happens, 40% of people will immediately fall asleep because they don't know how to have choice. They want someone else to tell them what to do. 40% will immediately recreate what has just been swept away. 20% will be confused because they now don't know what to do and 5% will get it. Excuse me, 15% and then 5%. And what I want to say is, ever since I got those figures, I'm seeing that over and over. We see perhaps in, uh, if I've got a client and you say, why wouldn't you you know, you're being given the chance to change your life. They go, oh, no, I go back to that old way I've been in those relationships. So for us to step into a new way, for 40%, it's like, no, we stay with the familiar. 
And that familiar means that even when there's a coincidence or a synchronicity, as I might call it or whatever, it's like, yeah, but I'm going to go this way still because this is what I know. 40% will ask me or ask you and say, what shall I do? And it's like, follow this truth, follow what's coming. 15% will get confused, which again, you know, is like, wow, tell me how I can change and become myself and 5% will get it. And I always like to just remind myself that I've got that 40% in me. I, part of me falls asleep. Part of me just repeats pattern. Part of me does this. So even if we think we're the 5%, we, we need to recognize that maybe that's also a trap. So that idea that at this moment in time, you see after 2012, we're now in 2023, we're watching people fall asleep. I'm watching people say, tell me what to do. Let me let, let me have all my computers in my house so I can be told what to do. Or maybe I'm going to just keep repeating old patterns. No, no, you can't tell me there's something new. So this detachment or unattaching ourselves from old paradigms, which you and I understand are old belief systems, is the hardest part of this. Because those belief systems keep us doing something over and over again, even if it's painful, even if it's not what we want. So... My journey has been about helping people because I've always been intuitive. And I will say it's only that I've always known and could see energies and I've always been able to connect with spirit. I'm, I teach intuition and I teach it from a place of saying that there are what I might call coincidences or synchronicities, like the universe, your, your inner guidance, your soul wants you to step, uh, to fulfill yourself, to become all that you are. To, to express that jigsaw piece on the ground and that it will send us signs to help us to do that. And I describe it like the feather dropping or just, you know, so many signs come into our life. But having taught intuition for so many years, I find, I've, I remember a, a woman telling me, she said, five years ago, Jesus came to me in a meditation and gave me a pen and told me to write. And then this woman said to me, so what do you think I should do? And I'm like, if Jesus has come all that way to tell you to put right, right. And that's what I find though, that stuckness that I'm describing is so common. Everybody is psychic, everybody. I've, I mean, I've worked with thousands, millions of people, but we don't follow through on the messages we receive. And that's the piece that our stubbornness are, we hold on to what we think is the truth. And, you know, I'd say, who do you need to come to tell you that you're okay? Now do it. <laughs> so we often look for confirmation of, am I an okay person? Of course you are. Now just get on and live that life. And that's where astrology comes in. Because we get the gift of being able to say, as I like to say it, at the time of that first breath you take as a baby, <sighs> you breathe the energy of the planets onto earth, into your body, you breathe in and you say, these are the archetypical energies I'm going to work with this life in these particular signs, in these particular houses. And having again worked with astrology for 50 odd years, I really trust it. And I use what we call tropical astrology uh, rather than sidereal, but I can look at someone's chart and I can hear their story and there it is in the chart. So if I just well, well let's 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 yes. just let's just uh, pause a little bit. Um, mm. This the forty percent, I, I, I those are numbers that I you know, I perk up and try to listen to, uh, but the basic idea for for me and for our listeners is that people tend to be stuck in old patterns and and are from and they're familiar, so they stay with them because they're afraid of change uh, change right. tends to that's be right. difficult and then right. the other 40 percent and 15 and five we are all them we are all of them uh that we but the basic idea that we are doing here is that don't fall asleep so much have the courage of the belief that you have something to offer that you are something that's special you're unique in and you have a part of the puzzle that will help us uh, survive uh, right. and help us thrive is the idea. Uh, That's right. And then you you mentioned a very wonderful metaphor again, that when you take that first, first breath, you breathe in the archetypes of the moment. Yes. Uh, 
and the synchronicity is about the things happening at the, around the same time, not always, yes. but your mind and what's happening around you. So here, the first breath I'm breathing takes in the surroundings, archetypal surroundings, and it's a wonderful image uh, that parallels what um, many synchronicities are between self and environment. So I, I think it's a, another beautiful picture that you're painting here. And so I breathe it in and there are different forms of astrology. You have yours. So let's now venture in to um, uh, astrological discussion for our audience and for me. Okay. And just to say the form I use is the typical form. I just wanted for any astrologers uh, listening, I just wanted to say I use what is what most astrologers use. Let's call it that. So everybody has the same planets. And it's interesting that we could only see so many planets. It's, it's kind of an interesting philosophy that up to a period of time, we could only see so many planets. And the time when we started to have telescopes, we discovered Uranus. And Uranus is about new discoveries. So it's almost like, did Uranus discover itself by producing a telescope? And that's what we kind of see because you, we, we can't see Mercury and yet they called it Mercury and it's silvery. And we've always seen it as light liquid, Mercury, you know, liquid, um, liquid Mercury, Mercury is a, a metal. And, and then when we saw it, it went, oh, my goodness, this is a very fast, very fast energy, fast speaker, which is rules Gemini. So it's interesting that almost like we name these things or they name themselves so that we could then see them. So it's a very interesting way well, of looking at it. Well, that, that, uh, the, the metaphors are really fun. And here they, are, here they match um, yes. the, the sense of it and the actual, actual, actuality of it match. Mercury and Uranus yes. or Uranus is like uh, it helped discover itself. Uh, that, it's, uh, it, it is. And. You know, we, we're on a tilt. Um, our planet is on a tilt, 23 and a half degrees. Uranus is on a 90 degree. It rolls around. You know, so it does everything unusually. And that's what Uranus is about. Where are you unique? Where are you unusual? So it helps us to understand if we look at these things that, you know, Venus is yellow. We can, and it's always in the sky. It's either in the morning sky or the evening sky. But it loves the sun so much you never see it in the middle of the night or the middle of the day because it follows the sun with its love everywhere it goes. So you only see it at night in the morning. <coughs> Interestingly, the ancient people, I just say, um, they saw Venus in the night sky and then it disappeared and it came back into the morning sky. And it was called light of the morning, which actually was the word Lucifer, lux efer, the night of the morning. So the word Lucifer actually came from Venus reappearing out of the underworld after a period of time. <laughs> Wonderful story. Well, this, <laughs> this, this is the poetry of the stars we've got here, at least the planets. Uh, that's uh, so. Please keep going. These are these are wonderful. These this is a wonderful introduction to astrology. It almost humanizes them. Um, well, I hope so. And it's 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 it has a yellow. It has this energy that allows us to see it. So I'm saying to everybody watching this, listening to this, watch for the morning sky star and watch for the evening. And they're not stars, as my husband, who is the astronomer, always says. They're planet. It's Venus. So if you see something bright in those times, it's Venus. So then that's, everybody has all of these. And then we found Chiron. And it's very interesting that in 1977, we added Chiron to the list. And a Chiron is an actually asteroid. So there are many asteroids in the sky, which are pieces, we think, pieces of broken down planets. And some of those come into our Earth and we call them meteors and meteorites. But Chiron was discovered about 1977 and added to astrology. And that's where we're wounded. So it's very interesting that somewhere around 1977, we decided we needed to work with our woundedness. And so Chiron says, where am I wounded? What wounds am I carrying? Where am I healing? And then how can I heal other people? So it's got this wonderful energy of looking at Chiron and saying, okay, yes, I carry this wound, but this is how I'm going to heal myself. 
And at the same time, Saturn, often people say, oh, Saturn's the restrictor. But Saturn is, what am I here to learn? And then what am I here to teach? So there's nothing negative. Where am I transforming myself? Where am I becoming unique? So that's the planets. You then you have, what about Mars? And Mars, of course, is passion. So Mars is our passion. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned it. You can see it in the night sky. Of course, it's one of the ones we could see without a telescope. And on a clear night, and I, I live up in the desert, so I can see it, it's red. So, so interesting that we see Mars as passion and fire and it's, you know, rules Aries, which is about war. And, and there it is, it's red. <laughs> and in our chart, it's 80% of our energy. That's how I see it. So if I aligned everybody by their Mars, they're more likely to be similar than if I aligned everybody by their sun. Now, that's a, that, that is a very interesting description. Uh, I, my, my Mars is in Taurus. Okay. And, and my own, my, 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 again, my, my planets and, and, um, and signs tend to be uh, water. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm a Pisces with a Cancer rising and uh, a moon in Cancer Leo, more on the Cancer side right. uh, than Leo. And my uh, my parents were Pisces, each of them. And wow. my, my brother a Cancer. So I like to say I was raised in a puddle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a like, lot of water. <laughs> a lot of water. And, uh, and I'm very grateful for having Mars in Taurus because it's given me determined energy in, in a straight line pretty much yes. it's the Taurus going straight with a lot of energy so I can I can get thrown off a lot of time by my own stupidity uh but then or other things happening but then I can keep on the line that I've started so it I move like that like a fish on the and it's almost like what you're talking about there's the polarity the pole in the middle is yeah. Mars and Taurus and then the fish is swimming around uh, with it, which is what you were talking about before. And of course, Taurus, you know, the thing about Taurus is it's very generous, very off, it gives everything, um, but it also needs security. And I like to say about Taurus is they will, you know, my husband has Taurus rising. He will give you, you know, sweets. He'll always have something, but he'll, you'll never, he, he says, you'll never know the sweet I'm hiding from you because that's mine. <laughs> So there's always a little store for Taurian energy. So, they, you know, there is a bit of a tendency to want to uh, hoard, but it's really more about feeling secure. You never, when you've got someone who's got Taurus energy, you've always got to make sure that they have enough food, enough warmth, enough clothing, and they'll often bring it in bags. You know, I can often tell a Taurus going on holiday because they've just taken that spare this just in case and this just in case. So it's, it's fascinating looking at all these different signs. And I suppose just to, to let people know, when we look at the, the globe or the, you know, look out into our skies, the reason they chose those 12 signs is that funny enough, those planets don't go all over the place. They go around on an eight degree swath. So they roll around like a slightly warped CD. And when, they, when you look out to the sky, they chose only the constellations, the stars that were behind those planets. So you don't have anything in front of the, the, uh, what we call the Great Bear, you know, Ursha Major. So you, you don't see anything up there. <laughs> so you, we only use those 12 signs. That's how they decided on this. And that's why we talk about those 12 signs and, uh, yes, those 12 signs. And we say those stars never move. Well, they do, but from our point of view, they rarely move. But the planets are constantly moving around. And that's how you get the planets in a sign. So that's how it you works. You get a planet in a sign, just to be able to start that. Uh, as I mentioned, I have Mars in Taurus, uh, yeah. and Mars is a planet moving on this uh, on this disc that flops around right it's all around i mean it, it's all the plant all the planets and the sun and the moon are all like on this thing from when we look out 
they are we we kind of have made this we've made ourselves important because we the sun of course we are go, we're all going around the sun but we've made ourselves you know that we are the center of the universe but you're right basically all the planets are going around the sun at varying uh, speeds that's why we say mercury is very close to the sun and therefore it whizzes around in i think 88 days whereas pluto takes 250 years to go around it's on the outer edges then this is how we see it. That's why Mercury and Venus in your chart are often in the same sign as your sun, yeah, just because they're very close to the sun. And mine's Aquarius. Yeah. I'm a Pisces. So, so yeah, so it, it's you only close. have three signs that you can be in when uh, compared to what your sun sign is. That's right. That's right. So you're I'm, always going to find them very close. And you know, Mars is is, but uh, you know, Mars is further out, etc. And we say the outer planets are much slower moving and we call them more generational. So, for instance, um, let's say Uranus takes seven years to go through a, through a sign. So you get this generation, you know, who look back at the last generation and say, oh, you idiots, you know, you should be like this. We're so outrageously different, uh, you know, and, and, and that's what happens because Uranus is always about, wow, let's do something completely different. <laughs> So each generation looks back and says, that's a crazy system. <laughs> How long does Saturn take? I thought it was seven years. No, Saturn was no Saturn. Uh, Uranus takes seven years to go through one sign. Oh, so one it takes sign. 84 one, years to go through the one, around one the whole sign, thing. One sign, yeah. yes. So yes. Saturn takes 28 years, in fact, 28, 29 years to go around the whole. Okay. So if you think of Pluto taking 250 years, that's why you can see that's so large. But this is important for people. This is why you get this seven-year itch. Both 84, 84 can be divided by seven, so can 28 be divided by seven. I'm just saying seven is a big number. But if we come back to Saturn, people might have heard about a Saturn return. And so a Saturn return happens between 28, 29 years, depending on, again, there's a slight wobble in the Saturn's um, uh, orbit. So it's always interesting to look at what happened to me when I was 28, 29, because Saturn is, a, again, about, it's like carries your blueprint. So in Saturn times, you're either starting something or stopping something. It lays down a new foundation for a new phase of our lives. And we do the same at 56. Well, it's about 57, 58 at the moment. And then again, around the 84 mark, et cetera. So Saturn is very interesting to, it kind of pulls us up short and says, what are you doing? Where are you going? Is this what you were supposed to be doing? And we can kind of go, go away, leave me alone, Saturn. <laughs> but it's one of those times where, where we'll really be you know, a little bit punched to listen to ourselves. <laughs> I I learned, and please correct me, is that uh, we can look at our life as a, as a spiral. And, and Saturn, yeah. and it's 28 years, you come back to where you were at 28, uh, at, 50, at 56 and 28, right. become yeah. uh, lined up with each other. That's so, right. That's right. Sometimes, unfortunately, we don't spiral, but that's the only problem. We go around in circles. Oh, Everything okay. should be a spiral. Yeah. But sometimes, many a time, people will go, there I am again. You know, we're repeating the same damn pattern. Ah, so, see, so you got to push yourself a little bit. Uh, you do. Able... You know, that's that's what I mean about just staying 40 percent of people recreating everything. And a friend of mine years ago who was a medium said he sees people coming in on the same one level of consciousness and going out on exactly the same level of consciousness. They never oh. change. Okay. And the consciousness, just to be clear, is not about how many you know, books have you read or how often you meditate. It's how have consciousness is how well do you know yourself? And for my analogy, the analogy I use is we are a beautiful flower, many petaled with a soul in the middle, and to know ourselves, we have to open all those petals and know ourselves. And those petals are open during our experiences. And just to be clear, this is how I see. So I have an idea. I pass it through that petal, which is what we call a subpersonality. Uh, let's say my subpersonality is an author. OK, so my, my soul says, let's write a book. And I create that book. That's what I do. 
but actually the enlightening feature is for me to acknowledge myself as an author or to acknowledge the wisdom that came from writing that book. It's not in the writing of the book. It's how did I know myself through that experience? Beautiful. And that's the piece that people miss. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, consciousness is uh, the level at which you know yourself. Yes. That's a, that's a nice that's a nice phrase. And writing a book is one way to do that. And of course, I'm writing this book about my own coincidences. And yes. I say, what? <laughs> yes. Yes. Say what? Exactly. And so it's a it's a mirror of my mind, uh, kind of like what some coincidences are, uh, but it's self-created. But then you get to see the mirror. Uh, of yourself when you write and there's also all kinds of mirrors you can see synchronicities are often involved mirrors of your mind uh, reflected in other people and what they say and what they do and the situations you run into so that they're part of you out there and that's what we're trying to help people recognize that's right, that's right. is that is there's they were part of our environment just like that breathing that breath of that infant breathes in the archetypes Yes. I have a couple of questions um, uh, about rising sign. Um, Can I just speak to, and I get, I, you know, I just to put over the message, our soul creates the world in order for us to know ourselves. As the Greeks said, know thyself. There is nothing out there except for what we have created in our world. Now, again, you might say, no, my mother exists. Or, but if you all ask your siblings, how did you see your mother? You'll all see her in a slightly different way. So it's not the mother that didn't exist. It's our perception. And we perceive something or someone out there because we, we can only know ourselves through reference to other people. So what I say is if we have an emotional reaction to someone or something, we are meeting ourselves in the outer world, waiting to be integrated into our hearts. Good. 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 And that's the only way we can grow. There's, there's no other way. It's, you know, it's literally through those synchronicities, those coincidences, through those intuitive messages. And sometimes what people say is, yeah, that happened, but I, I dismissed it. The universe is saying, I've sent you this, so you know yourself. And so if we, what I find in some people, they say, oh, this person, I'm really irritated by them. Well, they're another part of you waiting to be integrated because they're waking up of one of your petals that you don't want to see. So the way I always ask people is, what were the three words you would use to describe that person? Or oh, they're arrogant, they're irresponsible, whatever. And then I ask, how easy is it for you to be full of yourself? Or how easy is it for you to be irresponsible? So what often we do is we meet people who have a part of us that we, want, we don't want to acknowledge, we judge. But actually, they're trying to show us the part of us that needs to be open in order to know enlightenment and consciousness. That's good. Uh, I've just had some people that I thought were very good friends of mine because I had just met them. And then uh, after a couple of weeks, there was a they were very curt with me, each of them as a couple. And I, I'm saying what happened here and right. their sharpness and their kind of standoffishness after really uh, an enveloping time is a, as a reflection of something about me that I can do that with people as well. Right. And now that I've had it happen to me, uh, what you're suggesting and I'm doing is like saying, how is this also part of me, how they're responding to me? Right. And it's, a, it's an, it's an old pattern I've had of uh, having feeling close with somebody and then something happens right. and so that whole pattern is something that's an, a reflection of something about me and that's I, what we can all, we can we can have a little bit of a discussion about how I'm a reflection of you and you're a reflection of me right now but absolutely and you know and I see in a chart so we just come uh, back to the chart when someone has a lot of fire energy especially again Mars because it's a very per prominent part in our chart if you have mars in aries leo or or sag i often find that those people are uh, their pe a parent is violent or angry and <clears throat> i'll ask them did you how did you deal with this and they said oh i had to hide or i felt and 
when I say to them, look, you, you brought into your life a person that would be a very excessive way you would want to deal with this fire. Now you can make a choice of how do I use my fire, but not in a destructive way. But what often happens with people with a lot of fire is they never tap into that fire because they're so scared of being aggressive. So if someone who's got a lot of fire in their chart, you've got a lot of water, they will often say, I was told so often I'm too much, I'm too loud, I'm too big, quieten down. The sad thing is they never take back that fire and say, yes, I am, get used to it. This is who I am. <laughs> so this is how I work with astrology as well. It's just looking at the elements like you're describing and saying, okay, you know, how do you handle these big energies and how do you handle almost having no fire or no water? Because that's just as important. Uh, as I'm a psychotherapist too, and this is very psychotherapeutic yes. like that you're talking about. Yes. And, and I think these general principles uh, have are also the opposites. Their opposites are there too. Yes. Uh, and I, I know somebody and I'm pretty close living with a person who was too much. Mm -hmm. she was too much <clears throat> yeah. uh, and she needed to do something about it but she wasn't going to right. because she didn't see her impact on not just me but other people right uh, even though people would tell her yes she would she's doing what you suggested which is own her her fire right but there's a way of owning it that isn't destructive and I, and she hasn't learned that yet but these are these are more psychological things that we can talk about but they're pretty general well and they're not they're they're very specific because someone who has got mars in cancer ca cancer is very loving but they can smother so often people with mars in cancer smother everybody and then everybody goes that's too much so it doesn't actually each of the signs like mars in uh, in the capricorn can just be too much order you know too much of something so Again, you know, I love looking at a chart because I don't want to anybody to say, oh, it's just it's just this. It, you know, I think every psychotherapist should understand the elements in someone's chart. Everybody should understand an astrology chart because it isn't general. It's very specific. And so some 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 therapists do uh, astrological charts in their patients. I hope so, because if, for instance, when you've got a lot of water in your chart, and you feel everything. Cancer is always wanting to make everybody happy. Uh, Pisces merges with everybody, almost becomes everybody. That can be too much for people. Like, get out of my space. So, you know, there's a lot there. But what happens with Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio, the water signs, is they will feel people's unhappiness even before the other person's felt it themselves. So we always say about cancer, they're the first people to hand someone a tissue and say, please stop crying, you're upsetting me. So many a time people's actions are based on a reaction that's coming from them trying to calm their energies down, but they don't understand that that's what's happening. So I say to them, stop, you know, just feel into what's going on before you jump up with that tissue or you jump up with some advice. Why are you acting this way? So again, I love astrology from that point of view. It's not that everybody's the same. It's really about saying, let's step back and try and understand the core of where this is coming from for you. All right. If you have very little earth, I was talking to someone yesterday, with very little earth, her piece of earth had to sort everything out, put everything in boxes, because it was the only way she could control the, the very chaotic life that she had been brought up in. And so that's the fascinating thing is like that you can't take that one piece of earth away because it's the only thing that she's holding on to, a bit like your Taurus, that's actually allowing her to, to survive. And I, I think that's, that's why astrology is so beautiful. It's, it's helping us in our work to say, wow, Look at, the, look at the core of who this person is and how do we help support that so those other patterns, those other behaviors can calm down. Getting people to actually act on what you tell them is how, how do you manage that? Well, I think it's, it's up to them and then that's their choice. But I feel that um, it's, it's often doing what I've just said, enriching what they are good at, enriching things that make them feel secure, make them feel loved. 
and then they will let go of those un, those other patterns. And so, it, you know, this is what I was suggesting with this lady, you know, it's like do something that Torian has a lot of hand, you know, they touch, you know, work in the, the earth, make your bread. And often when I say, oh, you know, if it's something else, I might say, go dancing. And they say, funny enough, I've just brought a bread machine. There's your coincidences. You know, funny enough, I was just thinking of going and doing my garden. So something inside these people realize that when they do these things that give them a, a, a solidity, a sense of security, they can let go of the noise in their heads. Good. Good. And you're you're very much involved with the question of fate and astrology. Could you talk about that a bit? Yes. And, I, you know, just to say that, you know, people come and say, well, could you say when my mother's going to die or my father's going to die or something's going to happen? The answer is no. Astrology doesn't do that. What astrology does is it says this is something that's going to happen at this time. How it appears is going to be unique to you. So I'm not so keen on the sort of astrology says, oh, yes, this is going to happen, because I've had those readings myself. Um, someone said, oh, you're going to give birth to a child. Well, I was just about to publish my, you know, a book. <laughs> so, you know, to me, that was my baby. So it's kind of very important to me to say, well, yes, I see a birth happening and it may occur in this way, but we can't tell more than that. Ah, Okay. Now, I think you were going to ask about the rising sign. I did, I was, and I am. Yes. Was it just what is it, or is there more? Well, to... I just tell a little bit of a story, because uh, how, I, how I confirmed astrology for myself. Right. Um, that, um, that I have cancer rising, uh, pretty much in the middle of cancer. And uh, I was running with a rugby ball uh, in Santa Barbara, um, one time and uh, after I got off the field some of the guys were saying that I run like a crab <laughs> and so that, that fit what, what I understood in, about rising signs it's the way you present yourself in the world it is <clears throat> it's also excuse me <clears throat> um I like to say it's also about it the rising sign comes very specifically to at the time of your birth, and that's why time is really important to a birth chart. We do a lot of charts because people don't have their birth time and it's fine, but having that specific birth time written down on a piece of paper somewhere um, is really valuable. And if, if, you know, if someone wants a chart done, you know, find those old papers, go up into the attic, find someone written, wrote it down in a baby book or something, because it really does help. And so what we say is that at that time of your birth, you look out to the eastern horizon, and that was the group of stars rising at the time of your birth. And then the descendant is what is the group of stars descending into what we would say the other uh, hemisphere at that time. And then the midheaven, which is also very valuable for your career, is what was the group of stars above your head at the time of your born. And so when someone asked me about their career, I looked to the midheaven. So this is what you should be doing. So I've got a Gemini midheaven. I should be writing, teaching, speaking, which is what I do. If I meet someone who's got a Gemini midheaven and they're not doing any of that, I'll say, hey, change your job, because this is really what's in your soul. The rising sign, therefore, for me, is not a, it's almost like that imprint of this is what you are here to do. But you're going to do it by gathering up all the energies of those other planets. And then you become richly this. So it's, it's almost like, yes, it is how you appear, but it's, it's how you're growing into yourself. How are you rising into yourself? How do you ascend into yourself? And because you've got so many planets, I think you said you had, did you have a Cancer moon? Cancer Leo. A Cancer Leo. So, you know, you've already got the Cancer there. So that moon, the moon is often about how we we appear in the world again it's 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 our inner self uh, it's our nurturing self but the ascendant is really what we're becoming so you could say you've got your past and your future in cancer <laughs> well cancer is the crab or crab and cancer are related to each other and oh, they're, so they're the same i mean the cancer is the crab i'm only saying this because 
when they said you run like a crab, that might be coming from your moon as much as from your ascendant. That's what I'm saying. Ah, that's what you mean. That's what I mean. So that okay. that that's how it functions. So it, it could have been, you know, both that they could have been alluding to. Nevertheless, I ran like a crab, however that meant astrology. Well, astrology. Was that a good thing? Maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> did you win? Good. Did you score more tries that way? <laughs> I don't know. It's the only way I could run. So uh, <laughs> I did score tries uh, uh, and touchdowns in football, but that's uh, it was the running style. Uh, it stole bases, <laughs> in, stole bases in baseball. So I, I tended to run, but I didn't know what I looked. I didn't know I looked like a crab. It was the only, <laughs> it was the only time I ever be able to hear hear that. Uh, one of the uh, one when we were talking about the possibility of applying some of your uh, your astrological uh, wisdom to uh, the coincidence project, um, and the coincidence project is uh, a sponsor of the uh, the coincidence cafe that I mentioned at the beginning, and it's a uh, it was incorporated in Richmond, Virginia, on uh, on. April 14th, uh, last year, 2022. And not only can you do astrological charts for a person, but you can also do it for an organization. And that's what we're talking about, uh, that you have put together some information that might be astrologically relevant and, and relevant to uh, the way the Coincidence Project uh, develops itself. Yes, and I can go in both directions. I will take that one that you mentioned, the the Richmond one. Um, uh, but but you wanted to do the. the I'll, I'll do the other one just because it's they both are interesting. I do. I think let, we let, don't. Let's make, let's do the let's do the uh, what February eighteenth. Uh, February eighteenth. It's very interesting because the Mars is in Gemini at that time in the first house. We you gave me eleven a.m. So I have that time. Yes. Yes. So you know, it's almost as if the project is saying I am a communicator which is fabulous the the first house is so we we have 12 houses and they are dependent on that first date which is the time you were born and that first house represents the i am i am a communicator so it's fabulous uh, mars in gemini and then i go around to the midheaven and at that time the midheaven was in aquarius your moon, the moon was in Aquarius, the gem, uh, Mercury was in Aquarius, and Saturn was in Aquarius. And Aquarius is, I am communicating this synthesis of ideas, this big picture. I am bringing forward new ideas. And the moon being there says, I am actually uh, coming from the future, you could say, to bring these new ideas forward. So it's a very, it's a beautiful way of seeing this. Oh, I should say the sun was also in Aquarius at that time at 29 degrees. So the sun and Saturn there were, I am teaching Saturn being the teacher. I am teaching these new ideas. And the sun at 29 degrees saying, these are really way out ideas, very universal cosmic conscious ideas that I'm sharing. So it, it just for me, if there was this wonderful energy and just interestingly, it, ends up just to finish is your the uh rising sign is actually taurus so it's interesting it's almost like you're bringing heaven down to earth in a very practical way and again i'm using that idea and interesting you had taurus in you have uranus in taurus in the 12th house which the 12th house is we see as past life or energy that we've known about uranus in taurus and I just wanted to mention this, Taurus is very much about music, touch, taste, food. So <laughs> it's almost like what this project is doing is helping people to feel, to, to, to bring themselves back in tune with themselves. And so it's not just knowledge, it's, it's practical knowledge you're offering them. That's maybe the best way I can say it. You know, what are you feeling? What have you touched? And in your story that you told right at the beginning, it was about touch. I was there with you, walk, you know, walking along those monkey rails. I was there swinging. So in your description, you're, because you have that Mars in Taurus, you're bringing in a very descriptive way of actually doing this. I can smell the air. I can hear the music. And that's the way in which you are in this project, bringing heaven onto earth 
and really inspiring everybody to think big, but to think big and then bring this to earth. So it's a wonderful way that this project is moving. Well, I'm pretty amazed because that's a very good description of the way I think about it, because some people want, want me to emphasize the spirituality thing. Uh, they And even you talk about the universe uh, gives me this information. And I, I I balk at that because I don't, that's not an explanation right. to say the universe does it. It's, it's like saying whatever you mean by God did it. Yes. It's a mystery. We don't know what it is. And I, and I balk at that because I want to figure out how it happens. And I, I want to bring down a model, for example, how telepathy works. Yes. And I have an idea now of how telepathy works. And it's not God talking to me. It's, it's, it's not universe talking with me. It's a, a thing that can be described and is practical and has uses that can expand as you were talking about. I'm trying to help people uh, expand their consciousness, which means getting to know themselves. And that's the practical part of this is that synchronicity helps people know better who they are. Yes. And, and not in some kind of brand thing necessarily, but in who they are here on earth. That's and right. you, so you have just summarized what I'm trying to do is bring the stars down to earth, bring the planets, bring cosmic consciousness to earth and make it more palpable. And again, yes. Taurus is, is here so that you can feel, yes. as I can feel, how we can connect with each other through synchronicity, through telepathy. I can describe how that might be happening so that you can have a sense of it. I'm going grasping like this because we're okay. emphasizing tactile. Yeah. You, so you can grasp it and in grasping it, you can get a better idea of who you are in relationship to other people. That's right. That's exactly it. And you know, you've all of that Aquarian energy. I always say Aquarians have a lot of knowledge, but it's no good if you can't translate it so that you are a translator of information. I saw that in your book, beautiful. Thank so you. you take big concepts and you're translating because if you can't translate, then nobody can understand. Uh, that's what you are. And, that, and just parenthetically, uh, uh, Richard Feynman, one of the great people in quantum mechanics uh, is quoted as saying um, that uh, I, I can't, since I can't explain quantum mechanics to a first year uh, seminar or first year class, I really don't know what quantum mechanics is. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to be able to communicate it in a way that people who are relatively naive about the ideas, but have some experience yeah. can then understand them. So yeah. I deal with finding out where people are in their knowledge about synchronicity, their personal knowledge, That's right. and then be able to add what I can suggest to their thinking about it, which includes making their own coincidence patterns, uh, writing down and being able to discover it. That's and right. I wonder where in the astrology thing you might see for me and for the coincidence project that my emphasis and I think I get it now a little bit uh, that I'm a Pisces who's like evolving into an Aries uh, as as time goes on. Uh, so I'm, uh, at least I'm told that that I, as things go, you, you you move to the next, you move to the next sign. But what I'm trying to do is not tell people how to think. Right. I'm trying to encourage them to think about what the coincidences mean to them with guidelines that they can, that I can suggest, like coincidences are not commands, they are suggestions um, that you might consider, but you have to operate with your own decision-making capacity so that I am not in the position of wanting to be, this is how you should think, except to say synchronicities meaningful coincidences can be useful to you in your life. I'll, that I will say, but you need to be able to manage that yourself. Yes. Uh, I, I, I was just looking at your, I think what you're doing is exactly right from what I'm seeing on that project. Um, 
it feels that the journey that you're offering people is that chance to know themselves. Of course it is. And, you know, the way I say, I say is this is a, a loving message coming to you. I think people don't understand how much they're loved. And so I'm sorry just to be kind of turning it, but it's like, why wouldn't your, and again, I work maybe a bit more with the spirit world. I use that word maybe more, but it's like, or even your soul, or even yourself, you're sending yourself loving messages. And it feels like, why wouldn't you want to listen to a loving message? <laughs> so it's not that someone is telling you what to do. If this message is arriving, it's because you're loved. And I find that this lack of feeling that we're loved is so invasive throughout society. So many people feel unloved, unlovable, as you know, you know, I'm not worthy. Um, and the religion hasn't helped. It's put them in that sort of, you know, you've got to do, jump through all these hoops before you're going to be loved. And I think that's so wrong. Everybody is connected. Everybody is part of the oneness. That's where I come right around to say the great mother created you, you know, whatever you want to call her, God created source. How could she not love her child? How does she not want her child to return to her, their fullness? So when we receive these messages, they're not punishments, they're not demands, they're just like, come home. I'm helping you to find yourself and to feel stronger and more confident in yourself. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I, I think on, on, with that, we may as well uh, say goodbye um, for today and for our discussion, because uh, I think that's, if, if we were to sing a song, you just sang it. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. It was, it, it, it's, it's lovely to hear what you have to say, Christine. So thank you very much for, for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Take care now. Bye-bye. Consciousness